Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Who is an ordination service for? Who's it for? Well, for one, it's for Chris. So I've got him down here front and center, a little over six feet so I can holler. And uh, I'm going to be able to look down and just thunder it down right here on Chris. But it's not just for Chris, it's for me, for Woody, for Nathan, for our, our other ministers, those of us who are called by God to be reminded of us, of what God's called us to do. Not just for Chris, it's for me. And it's not just for Chris, and it's not just for me, it's for you. The, the people in the world who need to know what a pastor ought to be more than anybody are the Lord's people. Because it's your job to make sure that I'm acting like a pastor's supposed to act. And it's your job to call pastors to your church one of these days when I'm just a picture on the wall. Look, have y'all seen this guy in the bow tie? My goodness, you know, whatever. When I'm forgotten, long forgotten. If I even make the wall, right, Jim? That's what Jim said. He made, Enzer reminded me the last time I said that, you may not make the wall. Who knows? <laughs> Old Barnabas Enzer, son of encouragement. And uh, <laughs> you will still need to call a pastor. Because long before I existed and long after I'm gone, First Baptist Church of Gadsden will be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel. And so it's not just for Chris, it's not just for me, it is for you to be reminded of these things. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 1. So I exhort the elders, that's another word for pastors. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank you so much. For our brother Chris, we thank you for this day where we set him apart, set him aside for gospel ministry. And Lord, we look forward to seeing how you move in our hearts and minds today by the power of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Early on in my call to ministry is... I was uh, figuring some things out and thinking through being a pastor. I'd gone to college in Mobile to study theology, knowing that it was my goal and my plan to be a pastor. My dad gave me some advice. Now relax, those of you who know him. He 
pulled me aside one night. He said, now listen, son. One thing you got to know about my dad, my dad does not like preachers. He says they're all fake, they get on his nerves, you know, it feels like they're always trying to sort of make themselves seem like they're something they're not. And so he, he, we were sitting at, ha- at the house one night on the couch, and Dad said, I don't want you to be one of these fake preachers. If you become one of these fake preachers and you get preacher hair, I'm going to disown you. Now, preacher hair is one of those things. I don't really know how to define it, but we all know it when we see it. And, and what was he saying to me? What, what, was he, what was he driving at? He, he, he kind of gave me a sentence. He said, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Now, what he wasn't doing was saying you ought not to be holy, you ought not to serve the Lord, you ought not to be who you ought to be. What he was saying is if you go and you try to be something you're not, we are going to have problems as a father and a son. And I took that advice to heart, Chris. But I'll tell you that story to tell you, and it's a good reminder, everybody has thoughts on pastors. If you've ever been on an airplane, and said, somebody says, what do you do? I'm a preacher. Different things happen. I saw a pie chart one time and said, what, what do people do when they find out I'm a preacher? And like 80% of the pie chart was quit cussing. <laughs> now people have thoughts on pastors. People have experiences with pastors. People think about pastors in certain ways. And one thing I've learned as a pastor is that people will tell you their opinions on what pastors ought to do how they ought to be. There are all sorts of expectations. Some right, some wrong, some innocent, some just, some folks are busybodies. All sorts of expectations. There's so many things on top of that. When you're a pastor or in ministry of any sort, there are all sorts of responsibilities that become yours. All sorts of expectations on a pastor. All, all sorts of things that people expect you to have at least some level of proficiency in. Expect you to be a preacher, a leader. At some level, some sort of a public thinker, a friend, a scholar, a community figure, an administrator, and more. You've got to be nice, but not so nice you seem fake. You have to be careful, right? There are all sorts of expectations, all sorts of thoughts. And one of the challenges that you'll have, and one of the challenges that every pastor has is trying to figure out where they will find their identity. Who am I at my core? And I think many of us, Chris, will kind of try to look to one thing. In fact, you'll often hear people say, what sort of pastor are you? Do you see yourself more as a preacher or more as an administrator, more of a people person? What kind of person, what kind of pastor are you? What they're asking is, what what do your gifts and tendencies make you best at? And that's a fine question to ask. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's one thing that is your irreducible identity as a pastor. Uh, There's one thing that from this moment until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, that our hope and prayer is that every single pastor of First Baptist Church of Gadsden would be this. There is something that is irreducible, something that must be at the very core, something when you wake up in the morning, this is who I am, this is what I do. Pastors must be shepherds. 
I want you to fall in love with shepherding. I, I want your consuming thought as a man to be, what does it mean for me to be a shepherd? I want you to feel the weight of being a shepherd. And this morning, I want to show you three things about what it means to be a shepherd. Three things that are true of shepherding that I think will help you on your journey as a pastor. That will help all of us in the room who are called to ministry. That will help every saint of God think through what it means for a shepherd to be a shepherd. This morning, you look to a future, to an identity that is a calling, that's a burden, and that's an honor. A calling, a burden, and an honor. First of all, shepherding is a calling. It's our first point this morning. Shepherding is a calling. We've said this already, but it's worth saying again. This is something God calls you to. Uh, This is not something that man calls man to. This is something that God calls a man to do. You are called to the task of shepherding. The one thing that is before your eyes at this moment and for the rest of your life is the call and the task of shepherding. And that is something God has bid you to come and do, to shepherd his sheep. What does Paul say? He says, so I exhort the elders, the pastors among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. How do we recognize a call to shepherd? First, we see there is gospel motivation. Gospel motivation. When we consider that shepherding is a calling, it is the gospel that motivates us to shepherd the Lord's people. You are not simply called to be the friend of those who are in your church. I love being friends with people in my church. Most of my best friends in the world go to this church. I I love to be friends. I'm not saying you can't be friendly. I'm not saying you can't build friendships. But on top of that, you are called to shepherd. You're not called simply to make folks happy. See, that's the mistake Saul made, isn't it? Saul wasn't afraid of the Lord. You know who Saul was afraid of? The people that wrote the check. The people that called him. God called David, but the people called Saul. Right? The people demanded a king and asked Saul to come. And so Saul knew where his bread was buttered. The Lord told him to do something, and the people wanted him to do something else. You know what Saul would do? What the people wanted him to do. Now, that's not to say that we're always trying to thumb our nose at the Lord's people or that God's people don't bring us wisdom, but the reality is your motivation in shepherding is not simply to be a friend. It's not simply to try to get people to do what you want them to do. It's not to just tell them what they want back to them. It's not just to keep things as peaceful and docile as possible because that's what good churches do. No, the gospel of Jesus Christ is your motivation. This is what moves the shepherd. This is what leads us into the field with the sheep. He says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Almost all of these pastoral passages, you see the way that the apostles are situating the work of a pastor in the grand scheme of what God's doing in the world. What Jesus has already done and what Jesus plans to do, and there we are, stuck in the middle, shepherding God's people. 
leading God's people. It is the gospel that motivates us. He's not bringing these things up by mistake. These two things are hallmarks of the gospel. And I think we recognize Peter's life is a life that was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life was radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter was not about the gospel life until after the resurrection of Christ. But Peter wanted to fight. We don't want the cross to happen. Peter denied Jesus when the going got tough. Peter seemed to be kind of preoccupied with glory early on. And what's Peter saying here? Uh, Peter's demonstrating the way that when he was restored, Jesus said, feed my sheep. He called Peter. Peter wanted to be some big grand leader, and God called him to be a shepherd. He humbled him. And what is Peter saying? He's saying, I got the glory I'm looking for. It's just yet to be revealed. Right? I, I, I have seen Jesus' sufferings, and I know that this glory is coming, but today I'm called to shepherd, and I'm called to shepherd with you. I'm called to shepherd together. It is a gospel motivation that leads us to the shepherding task. But another is understanding the calling itself. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, Peter says. That is, that a shepherd feeds protects, and serves. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep if you love me. It involves exercising oversight, being an overseer, leading and looking over the flock of God. This is who you are. You have to understand your calling. If you are to be a shepherd, you must understand what shepherding is. It doesn't mean that we lead like everyone else leads. We lead in a uniquely pastoral way. Another thing that determines a call to the pastorate is desire. Desire. I think this is one of the most overlooked um, factors in determining a call to ministry. Paul says elsewhere, if anyone desires the task of being an elder, he desires a good thing. And notice what Peter says here. He, He says this, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Willingly. This is what motivates and animates you. That that isn't to say that every day is going to be easy to run after, but that there's a willingness to the work of shepherding because you desire the work. It's something you want to do. There's a passion that God has put in your heart for doing the work of loving people. And I think we've all seen pastors who are passionate about everything but shepherding. If you're passionate about preaching, all you'll ever do is preach. If you're passionate about being around people, all you'll ever do is just spend time with people over and over and over again. And that can sometimes look like shepherding, but you're not actually doing what the Bible's called you to do. There's all sorts of ways to do that, but the reality is that we have to look at the entirety of the task and recognize that feeding and caring for the Lord's sheep is a balancing act in so many ways. But it's one we must have a desire to do. I have heard a good little phrase about desire. It's this idea that if you can do something else, you should go do it. Because there are days, and everybody else but Chris, just cover your ear. There have been days when I wanted to run away. Just go full Jonah. 
I'm done with it, I'm out of here, I'm, I'm tired of it. But the reality is it became clear to me. I talked to my wife and she would say, Matt, what else would you do? To whom else would we go? I have a, a desire to shepherd God's people. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't quit because the Lord has brought me here, not out of compulsion, but willingly. This is where I want to be, doing what God has called me to do. You must desire the work. And there will be days where that thought is what keeps you at the plow. The minister of the gospel feels compelled by desire to do the work. Second of all, not only is shepherding a calling, but shepherding is a burden. There's no way around it. I'm not saying it's a harder burden than other people. I'm not, I'm not one of these kind of preachers who's always like, woe is me, it's the worst. Wow, I wish people cared or whatever. I don't like that at all. I've, I love it. I love my life. I love my job. love my people. love this church, everything else. But the reality is that shepherding is nonetheless a burden. And one of the greatest burdens that a shepherd has is the burden of authentic gladness. A gladness in the work. Have any of y'all ever met a bitter minister? It's one of the saddest things you'll ever see in your life. A, a bitter minister or a bitter pastor who over time started to feel like they were owed more than they were getting. Who over time started to think they were more of a blessing to the church than the church was to them. People who start to think that all this and Jesus too just isn't enough. That, that they've lost the battle over authentic gladness. What does the Bible say here? The Bible says, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. This is just a second point of application on the same idea here, the same phrase. It's not under compulsion, but willingly. You see, it's so easy in ministry. It's so easy just to go through the motions. Just come up, and three points in a poem, and uh, go home, and that be that say I love you and impact people and everything else but in your heart to not be glad about what the Lord's doing but I want to tell you that this burden of authentic gladness is only fought by delighting in God your people your people cannot bear the burden of making you happy your people, no church, no church, the, the perfect church. You're looking through the job boards and the, and, the, and the glory of the Lord shines around a job poster. You say, this is the perfect church. They, it's, they're looking. In fact, they've said, I want this guy. He grew up in Birmingham. This, it's just me. It's perfect. They cannot bear the weight of making you delight in God. The only thing that will give us authentic gladness not only in the task of shepherding, but in any task in our lives, is to first be delighted by God and then turn to the work that we're turning to. But there's also, Chris, a burden of selflessness. This is a burden we all carry, but we recognize it in so many ways and in so many careers. The point is self-advancement. And it's a good thing. Many of you right now are recognizing if I can provide better for my family and myself, I can make things better by advancing myself today in my career. We get that, not at the expense of others or whatever else, but the reality is that the task of shepherding means 
then all you can do is get in the way if you start to focus on yourself. What does the Bible say? Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. I think we've all seen situations where a pastor gets into a place where his real goal is shameful gain. Now, the first thing we think about is the sort of shameful gain that a pastor gets involved in that the people don't like. You know, you start getting involved in selfishness and you start doing foolish things with money or foolish things with the opposite sex or foolish things with your own ego and pride and you torch the church and create problems. That's the kind of shameful gain that it's easy to take your position as a pastor and exploit. To guard your heart against that. But there's also, and I think we see this as well, there's also a sort of self shameful gain and selfishness that can really fly under the radar because pastors will spend all their time doing all they can do to make people happy. It's the sort of shameful gain that people do like, right? It, it, oh, it's under the guise of being a shepherd. But the reality is every single pastor must have a hill on which they're willing to die. We cannot simply become hacks and demagogues and just say back to everyone what they already want to hear. We can't spend all our time preaching on other people's sins. We must be the sort of people who are not in this for shameful gain, but we are willingly, lovingly teaching the truth to our people in love. But there's also the burden of leadership. The burden of leadership. What does Peter say? He says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. There uh, are a couple of ditches on the side of the road here, Chris, my friends. One ditch is total passivity. You know, just whatever goes is fine. I'm not going to rock the boat. Just things are what they are, and I'm just here to get a paycheck and go home. The other side of the boat is being a pugilistic sort of jerk. Right, who is domineering and will only have his way tolerated and mistreats the Lord's people. And I think we've seen example after example uh, in recent years of people who felt like their church was in the passivity ditch and they've gone too far over to the domineering ditch. But the reality is that pastoral leadership is a monumental challenge and leadership is a burden for a shepherd because you have to lead God's way. Worldly tools of leadership that many people use, domination, domineering, just, just ruling and leading by brute force, you can't do that because you represent God. You are a shepherd. You are called to lead as an example. Pastoral leadership leads from the front lines. You are not called to impose your will, but to lead by example in love and grace. And I'll just tell you from experience, you will wrestle, you will wrestle to the middle of that road for the rest of your life. You will not go straight down that path easily. No leader does, right? Those of you who have led, those of you who love people, those of you who have children, you, you, we've all been there, you've all been sitting there on a Saturday watching TV, and your kids are doing something wrong, and your temptation is to either... Be lazy and ignore it or lose your mind. 
Everybody feels this weight, right? Everybody feels this tug. It's so pronounced for the pastor. There's a burden of leadership. But we can't forget, shepherding is a calling. Shepherding is a burden. But if you hear nothing else today, hear this. Shepherding is an honor. Shepherding is an honor. A few years ago, a popular preacher tried to disavow the title of shepherd. He said it's an outdated term. If the Bible's written today, it would have been sure. Of course, this is a guy who's got a C, runs on a CEO model. Would have been a CEO. That's convenient, you know. He says it's totally outdated. He said that this term of shepherd for the pastor was a cultural incident that certainly doesn't apply to today's pastors. And, and if, if I heard that and believed that, I think it would be one of the most discouraging things I've ever heard as a pastor. It's miserable thought. It is a miserable thought if that's an outdated term. Because one of the things that keeps me going every day one of the things that makes me fall in love over and over and over with the love and joy of being a pastor, one of the things that I love about being a shepherd, one of the reasons that I think this is such a miserable thought is because it strips us of what is likely the greatest honor of our lives. And that is that you share a title with Jesus. You share a title with the chief shepherd. Pastors share a title. Shepherds share a title with the good shepherd. It's miserable because the thing I remember every day is I am not the shepherd. I am the under shepherd. And in my fits and starts and struggles and all the worries and all the burdens and all the struggles that I have as a pastor, I can be reminded I am the little man and the big man's got it under control. We've got the same title. He's on this. He's got it handled. If you're wondering who to model, your heart and attitude and life after. I'd go with the chief shepherd, little shepherd. I'd go with Jesus. If you are sitting there thinking, how should I handle this? How should I do this? This seems like how the Lord Jesus would handle it, and this seems like how I would handle it. I'm just going to go ahead and settle that for you. Go with Jesus. Go with the chief shepherd. The great honor that every pastor has is that they share a title with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. I love this thought. You're poured out. You're beat down. You may even be questioning your calling. I've been there, right? I've, I've told my wife before, I said, there is no way God called me to this. <laughs> any, any of the other pastors had those days? Some of you may be kind of scandalized by that, but all the pastors in the room are going, yep, I've been there. What gets you out of bed on that day, Chris? What, 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 what brings you back to the task? 
what energizes you? What makes you say, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel every ounce of the burden. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. What gets you out of bed? This verse does it for me. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Shepherd, the shepherd is coming for you. Christian, saint, you may not have any of the things you want in this life, but one day the chief shepherd will come. Every church has an imperfect pastor, but every church is looking to the coming of the chief shepherd who will make all things right. What a balm this is for a bitter minister. What what? What a precious thought this is for someone who's struggling that none of the accolades that you wish you had, none of the greatness that your buddy that you went to school with has and you don't, none of your own glory, none of your fame, none of your prestige, none of your recognition, none of that will matter. This is a good word for people that aren't pastors. None of that will matter because one day the chief shepherd will appear and no matter what it is you didn't get, what you will get, the Bible says, is this unfading crown of glory, this representation of the righteousness of Christ that shows that you are His and His forever. And by His grace and for His glory, He will give you this unfading crown, not for what you've done, not, well, you get a little less crown because you weren't as good as the other guys. No, no, no. Based on what he's done, based on his glory and his righteousness, that's what you will receive. Chris, focus your life on shepherding, focus your life on the work of shepherding. Labor in the study and the pulpit to feed the Lord's sheep. Be patient with and exhort and be available to and oversee the Lord's sheep. Dedicate your whole life to the work of shepherding. It is your calling. It is a burden. But you will never forget in all the fits and starts and all the difficulties of your life that it is an honor to share that great title with the Lord Jesus himself. I want to offer everyone a few moments this morning to reflect and to respond to God's word. If you need someone to pray with or to talk with you, let me encourage you. Uh, just wait for me after the service and we'll safely find a way to chat. If you're at home, you can email me at malexander at fbcgazin.org. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you about what the Lord may be doing in your life. I want to encourage you, when I'm done with this prayer, to take a few moments to respond to the Lord as He's calling you to today. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for His gospel. And God, it's our prayer today, Father, that for Chris, for those of us who are pastors, and for this congregation, that we will be reminded of the great task of shepherding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.